Let's, uh, let's have some fun here. Thanks for coming back. You're winding through the, uh, the Christmas season. Your 12 days are over, so uh, there you go. Uh, let's pray and let's go. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to direct and rule us according to your will, to comfort us in all our afflictions, to defend us from all air, and to lead us into all truth through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, okay, good to see you. We got, uh, you know, we had a big weekend. We had a, you know, we had one deaconess get married yesterday. There must have been a couple hundred people here for Heather's wedding. That was fun. Beth Dittmer's back. She's pretty much conquered Nebraska and now is moving west toward Arizona. <laughs> California's on her radar. So uh, all is well with her. It's very good to see you again. Thank you for coming back to us. It's it's very nice. Um, she could stay if she wanted. She, <laughs> she could stay if she wanted. That, that's actually true. Um, you all have been through Christmas, so I hope you're recovering from that. Thanks very much. We're going to give money to Westfield House, so send that. If you've got an extra quarter in your pocket, send it. In, we'll send it to Westfield House. Uh, let's see here. We'll send this in this direction, and this in this direction. Um... So we, we should review a little bit and then uh, s uh, see what's on your mind. Um, can you remember where we were? See, I'm always, I'm always, I'm always nervous about r going over things, but then on the other hand, I think, well, you know, if nobody could think about it. You want to help me out here? You got, a little, got an extra hand? Beth, do you mind going to work? I mean, you know what to do. So uh, this is the same one you had, but I didn't expect that anyone, anybody would bring one back. So, um, well, I'm sorry. If you can, uh, if you had to sum up what, you know, where we were the last couple times, anybody want to give it a stab or no, you okay? I can do it, but it's always more fun if you chatter a little bit. So here's, here's, here's what I was hoping for. Um, we're going to a new spot. When you go to a new spot, you always have a chance to do new things. It's exhilarating to be able to think things through. And yet, um, one of the, and every congregation is different. So one of the challenges in this congregation, for me at least, is that you're also talented. And then I immediately default to the notion that um, because you're so talented, I should be able to get just tons and tons of good stuff out of you. Uh, but then that doesn't always happen. And I, I understand some of the reasons it doesn't happen, um, mainly because your own lives, I think, are extraordinarily busy. Because you're so successful in other parts of your lives, um, really, often when people come here, they're just exhausted, and they want to kind of flop into the pew and get the goods and um, be strengthened for the rest of their life. And, and I get that. I mean, I understand that about you. But I also um, know that someday I'll answer for all of you to Christ. That's one of the um, interesting parts of being a pastor. You have to account for all the souls that were in your care, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. Uh, and then we, we read this Romans 12 text, which is... Um, you know, so interesting about who you're, you and I are supposed to be. Um, and I gave you a few of the, you can, you can kind of see under point two how rich the words are. Uh, I'm sorry, under point five, how rich the words are there. Um, Therefore, my brothers, I implore you by God's mercy to offer yourselves to him a living sacrifice. So um, it means you're actually supposed to come close. The word there is that you get really close to Jesus, you come close, and then um, 
you uh, offer yourselves up. What does it mean to offer yourselves? Verse 2, adapt yourselves no longer to the pattern of this world, which means you come here and you're all meant to be bent just a little bit. And see, that's another, that's another challenge in a congregation where, where you come and you're talented and you're smart about everything and you, know, you go into your meetings or your classroom or your, your jobs during the week and, and often you are the smartest person in the room. And then when we come here, we've got you know, a group of people who are all the smartest person in the room. Um, you know, that's a challenge, you know, especially when Jesus then says, you know, bend yourself. So the church doesn't bend to you, you bend to the church. Bend yourself to God's will. That's verse 2. Adapt yourselves not to the pattern of the world. Don't bend to the world, but let your minds be bent and your whole nature transformed. That's the word for Transfiguration Sunday. Then you'll be able to discern the will of God. So you actually can't know anything about God until you're willing to be bent, until you're, until you're printed with, uh, with the word of God. You can't know anything. It doesn't come naturally. And so that means in some sense that when you come into the church, all bets are off. But not exactly. It just means that all the gifts you've been given, all the talents you have, um, all the things that you can bring into the service of the Lord need to be recalibrated once you step into the church. And there's all sorts of ways that that needs to be done. And that was the um, rest of Romans 12. In virtue of the gift that God in his grace has given me, he's an apostle, so you take this as, as um, true stuff. Don't be conceited. Don't think too highly of yourself. But based on a sober estimate of the measure of the faith that God has dealt you, um, figure out where you belong. And that was the first thing I gave you. You know, you're supposed to find your spot. So I take the point that you, you run very hard during the week and that you're very talented and that you're used to running things, and often people come here exhausted. And by the way, all you need to do is toss into that mix um, a, sick, a sick kid or a little wrinkle in your marriage or some stress from your job or you know, the greater economy. And um, that, just, that, can be, that can become a volatile mix. It can be even become chaotic, and when things become chaotic, you know, that's always a sign of evil. So in a different way, what we need to do is come and have you be refreshed, get near and get the gifts. But there's always some rebound from the gifts. You know, it's like a trampoline. You know, there's always some, there's always some, some sort of pushing you back out. And we need that from each and every one of you. Um, you know, congregations are different. They can, uh, you know, congregations that are often moneyed, like this congregation, you can often pay to have a lot of people around to get all the things you want done. And that's one way of approaching it. Um, but also, there's a lot to be said for you all finding your spot. I told you the Henry Kissinger story where you know, he finds his spot at the end of the paintbrush. You know, something to be said for all of you finding your spot and then working your spot. And those are the two things I've tried to say to you over the past few weeks, that finding your spot in the church and then working that spot are terribly, terribly important if a church is going to work. It's the way that people communicate. It's the way that people connect. It's the way that people feel part of the family. It's the way that people align toward a goal. It's the way that people feel part of what's going on. Um, it's terribly difficult as a pastor to keep somebody connected who is kind of only in and out for 45 minutes a week. You know, they come to Saturday night or maybe the shortest service on Sunday morning, and then you see them and then you don't see them. It's an odd person who can stay connected uh, really connected to a congregation in that way. 
And you can see that because of the way scripture talks. Uh, a human body has many limbs and many organs. They all have different functions. This is Romans f uh, 12, verse 5. So all of us, united with Christ, form one body, serving individually as limbs and organs to one another. So I guess what I'm suggesting to you is, is I know that your jobs are stressful, and I know that your lives are busy. Maybe this would be the right place to pause and talk about what it means to have a Sabbath, right? What was the main thing that happened on the Sabbath? Do you remember? What's the main thing that happened? What happened? Rest. Uh, it is rest, and then um, who does the work on the Sabbath? This is the difference between Christianity and every other religion. In every, in every other religion, who works on the Sabbath? The people do. And in, in Christianity, Contra, and Judaism as well too, who works on the Sabbath? God, yeah, the Lord works on the Sabbath. So I get the notion that you're fed, and um, you're here, but you're fed toward a purpose. And part of that purpose is to be intertwined with all the other people in the room. So when we move next door, you know, the opening place is about, there's a big place to have coffee and, uh, you know, maybe chat with each other and watch a video or two. But that all comes under the rubric of hospitality, that you're connected like a body and get to know other people and figure out what needs to happen. Uh, and actually that gets done. So you get all these gifts. The gifts we possess are differ different as they're allotted by God's grace. You know, God gives each of you different gifts. And remember, you know, your gift may be different, but it's not better than somebody else's gift. It's just whichever gift we need at a particular time. The gifts we possess are different by God's grace. The gift of inspired utterance, for example, the gift of administration, the gift of teaching, the gift of stirring speech. Uh, the gift of charity, the gift of leading, the gift of helping others in distress. So he gives you this list of things. And then he tells you, actually, that your gift is supposed to be used. So that first it was find your spot. Whoever, whatever your spot is, you need to find your spot um, and then work your spot. Now let me just pause a little bit and tell you often what I observe. I often observe, for example, that people... Um, take charge of a project or join the governing board perhaps or become head of something and they have great ideals and they work very hard and they work very busy, busily and then they work busily and they try to get other folks but they find that other folks are really busy and what happens to that person? Sorry? They give up and why do they give up? Because they have to do it themselves and when they have to do it themselves they get very, very tired and discouraged. Exactly right. So we ended you know, the last time we talked, we actually used a very concrete example, which I'll say to you, I think worked very well. We sort of talked about how could we make Carol successful with Christmas sharing? How could we make Kathy successful with Gifts to Grace? Um, I think Gifts to Grace went off pretty well, did it not? I mean, from the stuff, I see a couple of closets full of stuff, so I think both of those work. So, so there's the thing. Um, those two things seem to work very well. And in some ways, it's good to, to do it that way. It's, it's not just... You know, it's not just that we have a project, it's that there's actually persons involved in a particular thing. And we say, somebody has decided that they would, I mean, th these aren't fly-by-night things. We've been doing Gifts for Grace, I think, for 17 years. And how long have we been doing um, Christmas sharing? 10 years? 11 years? Not that long? Really? Okay, that's great. I didn't, actually didn't, I didn't, oh, because we used to go to another congregation and help out there, that's right. So we've been a host for about 10 years, yeah. So, um, you know, those things work very, very well. 
So uh, let me just pause. So, so I have these kind of two rubrics, finding your spot and working your spot. Those are both in the text. First, you find your spot, which is you find what gifts you have. But second, you work the spot for the greater good. So in some ways, I don't want to go so far as to say it's wrong for you to come exhausted and kind of fall into a pew and be fed. Everybody needs that at some point in their Christian life. You need seasons where you work really hard and you also need a Sabbath. But it's not always like that. The Lord puts us together like a body. We all need each other. If every part of the body works, then the greater, uh, the greater body works very, very well. Um, I know you can, it can be difficult uh, because you're, you're often very exhausted when you come, but part of life is getting things balanced enough that you have time for somebody else. So um, you remember the old story about the man who loved his wife so much he almost told her. Uh, you know, <coughs> so, you know, there's, there's something to be said for just taking a little bit of time and working with something that is outside yourself, okay? Um, yes, please. Well, the question is, who feeds the pastors? Um, that is a very interesting question. Um, I'm going to let Pastor Gainick take that up maybe next week, maybe for the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, yeah, you know, here's the thing. Um, Lutherans are just a little confused about that, especially Missouri Senate Lutherans. Um, I will say, you know, I'll give you my, I'll just give you my honest, since you asked, I'll give you my honest answer. The Lutheran confessions that we all, you know, lie down in front of the altar and say, I believe this. The Augsburg Confession, which is what every Lutheran everywhere believes, sometimes they don't believe the things at the outskirts, but dead center of being Lutheran is the Augsburg Confession. The Augsburg Confession says that we have bishops. But if you ask our district president, he'll say, I will say to the district president, you are my bishop. He will say back to me, uh, the Missouri Senate doesn't have bishops. I will say to him, the Lutheran confessions do. Then he will say, but the Missouri Senate doesn't. <laughs> then I do this, I go. So, uh, you know, the current constitution was written by a lawyer somewhere who apparently didn't have his Augsburg Confession close at hand when he wrote it. Um, technically what happens is, you have a bishop who cares for you, who is a pastor to the pastors. Um, we instead have made our district presidents more like uh, hall monitors. So if somebody gets in trouble, they're there with a big stick. But beyond that, and, and part of the problem with pastors is there's, you know, well, there's a lot of big stick action that has to happen. So, um, you know, there's not always a lot of time for that. But, but I've talked to you about this before. You know, part of the problem, for example, is where does the, where does the pastor go to confess? That's a difficult um, partly because that's been lost. You know, that may not all come back in my lifetime, but what has to happen in some way, what happens is everybody kind of points at somebody else. The bishop sort of points at your church council, the church council comes at the elders. You know, the elders are busy doing something else, so they point you back to other pastors. I mean, everybody's kind of doing this, you know? And so in some ways, and this is very wrong, pastors are left to be self-sufficient. And self-sufficient is the worst possible place you can be. I was actually just talking at the door this morning with somebody about this. I don't even remember the whole conversation, but it went something like this, which is, um, well, part of the question is whether or not you think authority is a good thing or a bad thing. So I think authority is a great thing, because I think authority is a gospel word that goes with order, which is anti-chaos, which is pro-Christ, not anti-Christ. You need authority for there to be order, and order is the way of Jesus. Do everything decently and in good order, right? 
Jesus, that's how Jesus talks about it. It's like chaos is always the mark of evil. But if you don't have somebody caring for somebody else, it's like a team without a coach, you know? It's like a company without a CEO. I mean, the scriptures say, um, I think it's Titus 1.5, a congregation without a pastor is defective, you know? So, but the other thing is a pastor without a pastor is in some way diminished as well. Because it's like when you're writing a PhD, they say, a man who does all the research himself has an idiot for a helper, you know? Um, it's very difficult to, to, you know, see yourself clearly and to guide yourself. Very few people have the mental discipline or the spiritual acumen to do that. So basically what you need to do is you need to find uh, an old man somewhere. Yeah. Or more than a mentor, you need to find a confessor. You need somebody who you can say. And this is, see, part of the problem is, is this is part of the reason we don't, the church doesn't work the way it should. Here should, here should be my primary, your primary use of me. This should be your primary use of me. You should be able to come to me and say anything, and I should be able to forgive you, and then we carry on. That's my primary good to you. Okay, that's my, that's it. Which is the same as me baptizing you or giving you the Eucharist. But my primary good to you is if you can come and say anything, drop it all off, and be forgiven. Lutherans don't do that at all. Even though, once again, I'll say in the confessions, when the Catholics said to the Lutherans, you've abolished private confession, the, the Lutherans said back, we do it more than you do, right? But now, 400 years later, we don't do it at all. So we're so impoverished, but, but bit by bit, we can either sort of say, that makes us so sad, and, and uh, you know, uh, what's wrong with the church? Well, the thing is, you can always find something wrong with the church. Or you can say, and that's actually... While you might not think that what I've done the last two times and today is actually Bible study, honest to God, I guarantee you this is Bible study. Because what I'm trying to do is translate this text into your life, okay? Everybody knows that the scriptures talk about the church as a body. Everybody knows that the scriptures say, you know, you're a big toe and you're an elbow, you know, and you're a little finger. Everybody knows that. But hardly anybody can translate that into... Everybody needs to work together to make that work. So my real question, I have, I have some real practical questions about moving next door, which is, um, given this congregation, bright, energetic, moneyed, tired, not, not always easy to direct, um, not always clear about what the next step is, and not in a, in a range of maturity, spiritual maturity, how do we figure out what we do next? You know, so partly what I'm going to say is, what I'm trying to say is, everybody needs to find their spot. Everybody needs to work their spot. But the hardest thing for this group often is to work their spot under somebody else when all day long, all week long, in their job, in their family, in their world, they're very powerful, very successful, and usually at the top of the triangle. And what I found here is it's very difficult so this is why I put it very practically speaking. So we look at Kathy and we say to Kathy, we say thank you very much because you decided that you would be kind enough to head up a thing that takes a lot of time over the holidays. And so the very practical question for all of you is, how do you make her successful? It's no different than Rich, who's always right there. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he said, there he is. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I need to bring my van in this week. I meant to tell you. <laughs> Hope you got a day open. Uh, it's no different than Rich, you know. We're eight or 10 or 12 weeks away from moving in next door. 
But I can just tell you that Rich on his own is not going to get that done. So what we're going to need to do at some point, think of real practical things like we're going to move over there ourselves. Okay, so that'll either be me carrying 500 books of boxes by myself one day at a time, which means we'll move in on the 4th of July, 2012. <laughs> or we could have 500 people here that all call can carry one box, you see. But that's a hard thing for us to do. So let me switch the page on you just a little bit. Um, I'm going to just give you, I'm going to give you a few observations of where I've, just go to number nine, okay? Let me just, let me just, practically speaking, and this is, this is this congregation. You always, you're the, you, you coach the team you've got, you know, you pastor the congregation you've got. Um, you know, it's, it's so interesting when, when the scriptures say, you know, because God has given a grace to everybody, this is Romans 12, 5, because God has given a grace to everybody, um, get a sober estimate of yourself. Discern what the gift is that you've been given. So I'm just at point nine then. In any situation, it takes some savvy and maybe some help. Mentor, old man, old woman, somebody who's been around a while, but not just somebody who's got gray hair or no hair, okay? This is actually, you don't automatically become spiritually mature because you're chronologically old. So you look for somebody who's got spiritual savvy, and maybe you get some help and you say, where do you think I'd be good, or what do you think my gift is? Or do you really think I can pull this off if I stretch a little bit? It takes some savvy to know which one you are, a leader or a follower, in any situation. See, in any given situation, all of you are leaders. That's my, that was my story about the sergeants and the privates, right? I told you that story. See, that's the, that's the issue. The issue is you're all leaders in some walk of life. Otherwise, you wouldn't be roundabout in this area. You know, just the demographics, they just, it just sort of, it's, it strains people, and that's who ends up here. Okay, good. But you got to know where you are, and you need to adjust. You not only need to find your place, but also work your place. So I'm going to give you some, this is kind of old man practical advice. This is what I'd say to you if you came to me in my offside say, well, roles change. Sometimes you lead, sometimes you follow. And you need to see that in any given situation. So the first thing I'd say is, you know, Byron, whatever it is, is this your chance to lead or follow? What do you think? And I started with the story of the centurion, where the centurion, who's a leader, when Jesus appears, he said, holy cow, I'm not even worthy to have you come home with me. So he goes from a leader to a follower like that. And the brilliance of that story is he knows who he is. In every situation, you have to know who you are. Are you the leader in this situation, or are you the follower? It takes some, takes some doing to figure that out. But at least for you all, who are almost always leaders, consider the other option. Okay? Second, all of our skills need to be brought into orbit around Christ. So if you came to me and said, what do you think I should do? I would say to you, does this serve Christ? I'd say, does this, this orbit? This, was the, this is what I said when I came here. I mean, 14 years ago, when I had my, before I had a call here, when the call committee said to me, do you have any questions? I said, my one question is, your, your questions are also disparate. It doesn't seem as if everything is orbit or in orbit around Christ. I'd still say that to this day. Not, I don't mean, I would, wouldn't make that criticism. I'd still pose the question, is what you're about to do, does it orbit Christ? Does it bring everybody's skills into the gravitational pull of the incarnation? Okay. This is a really big one, the next one. Recognize that skills don't always transfer. Leading in one place may or may not make us fit to lead in another place, including the church. Because you can run a bank, doesn't mean you can run a church. 
A church is a completely different, it's a completely different animal. It's a nonprofit. It's faith-based. People have no reason to come back week after week. It's a purely volunteer organization. It's given to people who often have very diverse ideas about what the church is all about. And at the end of the day, we don't have any leverage. We can't force anybody to do anything. Just in case, we can't hire you, fire you, raise your pay, lower your pay. You know, in, you know, we don't do any of that to you. So people who come in with that thing uh, often don't do very well. I'll tell you the other thing, and this is just an aside. Often people presume <laughs> that we're going to act as pastors, I'll just take us as pastors, the way people act in the workplace. So let me just give you an example. If somebody undercuts you, betrays you, or sticks it to you in the workplace, what's the, I'm not just talking about you, what's the normal workplace reaction to that person? Right. One of the interesting things in the church, for example, is people expect us, when people stick it to us, to try to get even. But we spent two years telling you that's not what we do at all. And um, we've always asked for one example of where that's ever happened. Just one. Because I can tell you when people stick it to us, we go out of our way to give them just the opposite and more. So if a family comes to a funeral and says, um, here's what we're going to do. The music will be, I did it my way, will be the sermon hymn. The true story, I've had this happen. <laughs> What's the sermon hymn? This is true, actually. I, you plan the sermon, the family's bereaved. Everybody's a little nuts when somebody dies. Okay, what are you going to do? Okay, so um, we want a we poem from Shakespeare for the gospel reading. I did it my way will be the sermon hymn. And then after, and I've had this actually said this to me in, my, in this congregation. I said, and after you're done, we're going to have a family member get up and, and talk to clean up all the stuff that you screwed up. I mean, I've had that said to me. It's after the, you know. So what do you do with that? I mean, what do you do? In fact, in the last year, I mean, I just, you know, you were maybe at this funeral, maybe you weren't. You know, we had an agreement with the family that all the eulogies would be as we always do, the eulogy, the place for the eulogy is the wake or the lunch. We actually had somebody ascend the pulpit and just start talking after a funeral as the body was being gone. Like, just, I've got a few things to say. Kind of gave a second sermon. And you're kind of going, who are you? <laughs> or one, I've had a baptism here where, where somebody brought, you know, you don't even know this kind of stuff happens. Somebody brought the family quilt, walked it up, Vicar, pay attention, this is going to be good for you someday. Brings the family quilt up here, no lie. Starts moving the Eucharistic stuff off to put the quilt on the altar. And I said, what are you doing? They say, we always do this when we have a baptism here. And I said, I've never met you before. <laughs> I, I don't even know who you are. So like in the last 14 years, nobody's ever done that. Uh, but we compromised and put it on the back altar because we didn't want to have a fist fight. At the, but the, the point is, you know, a people do stuff like that all the time. In a normal business, you know, you'd stick it to them. In the church, we unstick it to them. We do just the opposite, which is we indulge them. And, um, you know, but often people, what's interesting then is the reason I'm telling you that story is people often expect us to act the way people act in the world. We act just the opposite. So what happens is presumptions then, people work with their presumptions, they build up realities and stories, and then Everything gets all bollocked up because people don't know what they're talking about. So um, just recognize that.
that this is another world. And frankly, you're free to call us out if you see the opposite. If you see the opposite, if you see us acting in a way that we, where our talk is different than our walk, you're free to call us out, but you should have date, place, and time and not just speculation. That's extraordinarily important. So this world is a different kind of world. Your skills from out there don't always transfer. That's why people do stupid stuff like take vows of poverty, obedience, and chastity before they enter a job like this. Because, um, as Jesus says, sometimes these demons only come out by prayer and fasting, right? So just, you know, just kind of think that through. I, so I, I guess I would say to you, I want you to take leadership positions, but you should do so with some measure of fear and trepidation because you're normally on ground that is unfamiliar, okay? Um... Adjustments take discipline. Even if we're used to leading in one venue, sometimes in the church we may need to follow. And let me give you this one. Dropping out is not an option. This may strike you as odd. Um, My guess is that you go to your normal job. How many of you, raise your hand if you get your way every day, all the time, about everything at your normal job? Go ahead and raise your hand, see? Because I know you go to work, you get everything you want all the time, right? I mean, they change the coffee for you. It's now got a little bit of cinnamon in it. And, you know, you, 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 change the, you don't like fluorescent lights, so they've given you the bulbs back. You know, they bought all the ones from Ikea that aren't being sold. Anymore. You get everything you want all the time, right? But when people come to church, what do they often think? Hey, this is my church, so I should have it my way. Or, you know, it's always interesting when somebody says to the pastor, kind of what you say to a cop when he's pulled you over for 45 and a 35. Hey, you work for me. What? Say that to a cop next time he pulls you over. <laughs> uh, I had you go in 45 and a 35. Hey, you work for me. Like, yeah, good luck, okay? Um, you know, so I just, I, what I want to say is you, in your normal jobs, in your normal life, things don't go well in your family. You don't drop out. If you drop out, it's a tragedy, you know? It's the same way in the church. If you volunteer for Kathy's thing and you don't like it because she's using pink bows instead of green bows, and you bought green bows, and you've always had green bows, but she picked pink bows this year. You can't just, like, put your bows in your pocket and go home because, you know, an elbow can't kind of leave the body. If you tear your elbow off, it just doesn't, things don't work very well, right? If you're missing your big toe, hey, your sense of balance is all out of whack, okay? So dropping out is not an option if we really belong to a community. See, now this is where you might think, oh, yeah, it's easy to figure out if I'm a leader or a follower, that's easy to do. Yeah, I've got discipline, I'm a smart guy, it's no difficult. But the reality is, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is, when you're not the leader, you're the follower, and it doesn't actually go your way, you actually keep doing your work. It's one of the hardest things for us as pastors. It's one of the hardest things. We get a group of people, we get eight people, there's a lot of back and forth and pushing and shoving. Where's it going to go? Here we go. And then it's 6 to 2 or 5 to 3, and you say, okay, well, that seems to be the consensus, and we worked at everything. Here we go. And then one or two or three of the people drop off, and you go, what the heck? What other venue in life do you just quit if you don't get your way? Because that venue is ruined, I'll just tell you. If you do it at work, you ruin your work. You do it with your family. You do it with your team. You do anything. I mean... So quitting is not an option. If the body is organic, if the community is a community, it's part of the thing you do is you sort of grit your teeth and keep going. That's what people do. And as you know, often in life, when that happens, 
still good things happen. It may not be the thing that you wanted, but still um, things can happen. That's very difficult. So tasks take follow-through, work your spot. When others are counting on you, especially in a volunteer organization, especially when they can't go to manpower and hire a temp, especially when the deadline is on the line, you can't take 10 days off, especially when there's not a lot of backup, especially when churches often run like a bankruptcy with not enough money and not enough staff and not enough time, if you volunteer for something, it's terribly important that you follow through. And if you don't, it just hurts everybody. We may cover it up and you know we may try to move on, but gosh, it's, it's difficult. So um, success, this is the last one, success in this is a mark of spiritual maturity. To follow closely, okay, and to love and obey Christ, and to follow cleverly. So it's both closeness, the first thing was, come near and make yourself a living sacrifice, but also follow cleverly. You know, have a little cleverness with what you're doing. Yeah, this is how it's going to work and this is going to do, and this time Carol's in charge and she wants it this way, and maybe next year there is a way to tweak it, but we can't tweak it midstream, and so here we're going to just keep going. Um, you, just, you, just, you just sort of keep after it. Now that was sort of a big, that was sort of a big mouthful. Um, I'll pause. Question about any of that stuff or just reaction to any of that? That may be difficult for you to hear. It's extremely difficult for me to say, it's, but it's always hard if we don't put these things kind of on the table. I can just tell you, if you've been a leader here and if people have sort of backed out on you, it's a really difficult thing. I feel like I can't see it because I've got these, you know, I've kind of got this, actually you're just kind of, there's nobody there really. You know, you're on the outside. Just questions about any of that? Just tuck it away. Just, just sort of tuck that away. Because what's going to happen, I mean, what I hope is going to happen in the new place, I hope what will happen is that we kind of focus our fire, that we do fewer things, but we do them very well, and that we connect more people to those things, and that as people get connected, they actually stick with it. So there's at least one place where you say, this is what I do. I don't care if it's a quilter, a, a meal ministry, I don't care if it's working with the youth, I don't care if it's being an usher. I actually don't care what it is. But the, in a big congregation, and, and we're a big congregation, the trick of a big congregation is to make it feel like a small congregation. That's always the trick. The trick is to make it feel like your home, and you know the best homes work when everybody's busy. If the same person always does the dishes, if the same person always has to clean up, if the same person always makes the bed, if the same person always takes the garbage out, what happens? you got four people watch, watching the game feeling good, and one person who's cranky, grumpy. That's a good word. That's exactly right. So what I'm trying to do is this is the anti-grumpy talk. This is the, I just want you to be happy, but don't confuse happy with getting your way. See, there's a different. Happy will be when everybody lives in community and does what they've been given to do. And there's different ways that people are given things to do. Yes, please. Right. 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 And that's the mark of a good leader. So what he said is, uh, he comes some days tired, but when he goes with Rich, Rich says, just go do this, and you have a task, and you actually feel some sense of accomplishment because that gets done. It's part of the greater task because you can... When you're over there, you can people, hear people banging on the pipes below you and above you. It's a very interesting sensation. We're over there yesterday thinking, I wonder who's down there, and I wonder what they're banging. But of course, if we go down to see, what will happen? 
he'll mistake us for a thumb and put us to work, right? So we stayed upstairs, you know. That's a, I mean, we don't, you know, there are limits, you know. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> yes, and it was Nietzsche who said hell is other people. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> what's that? One was Christian. Yeah, one was Christian. The other, yeah, wasn't quite. Um, yeah, hell is when you get your way. You have to be. You have to be careful about getting what you ask for. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Maybe there's nothing else for this. Uh, maybe just eleven. The goal is for everybody here to be connected to work the gifts they've been given for the good of the community, for the good of the congregation, but also for the good of the greater church. And that's a live question that we need to think about. You know, what are the things we do, you know, for us? What are the things we do for the community? What are the things we do nationally? What are the things we do for internationally? What do we do for the greater church? We need to find a way that we structure ourselves so we get something out of everybody, at least a little bit out of everybody, okay? And you're the best hope that you would stay after for an extra hour you know, on Sunday to kind of talk about this, you're the best hope. And I just say to you, this isn't my idea. You can read Romans 12, you can read 1 Corinthians 12. They're exactly the same. The church is a body, the body has parts. Every part needs to get busy, get going. That's how the church works. So think that through. Um, just sort of, you know, just, you can just see if you can absorb a little of this. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting thing trying to get very successful people in a volunteer organization to all pull on the same end of the rope and to stick in year after year after year. That's a difficult task. We can do it, but there are sort of common sense things that need to be done for that to happen. You need to know when you leave. You need to know when you follow. You need to stay with the task sort of no matter what. You need to um, you make the best use of your skills. You need to know when to go forward, when to pull back. Uh, you need to find what your spot is, you need to work your spot, and you also need to have a Sabbath once in a while. That's why I never regret when people might go off a governing board job or stop being an elder or they run a project hard, then they say, you know, I'm going to take a few months off. That's exactly fine. That's great. But not forever. Because everybody has something to offer. That's how the Lord puts the church together. You've all got something to offer. You've all been given a gift, and the gifts need to be used. So there you go. Um, would you, are you think you'd be ready to go next week? Why don't we, we'll talk a little bit about pastors next week. I think partly because, um, you know, partly it's the authority question, partly it's the, uh, uh, par partly it's the question of where do pastors come from, partly it's under five, the two words I give you, episkopos, um, one word for pastor, um, is overseer, and the word that everybody likes is shepherd, which means, you know, just kind of this gentle Jesus, meek and mild word, that's actually the word for managing director or presiding officer. Um, so what are you, you going to do with that? How do all the pieces fit together? And how does, um, how does whatever particular constitution or polity you have in a congregation, in the Lutheran Church, in the Missouri Senate, in the broader church, fit together with uh, the biblical directives? One is, you know, in one group this week, there was sort of, you know, the suggestion that the call is not divine. Nothing could be further un-Lutheran than that, since we also in the Augsburg Confession have a, have a, a Augsburg 14 says, you know, nobody does this without retavocatus, the proper call. Or St. Paul saying, I thank God that he put me into his holy office. There couldn't be any more, you know, clear thing that, of the office of the ministry than that. And then when he 
dies, he puts Timothy and Titus in, and when they die, they put the next people in, and you can read Eusebius about the first four centuries of everybody being stacked down after that. So that's, that's one you know, aberration. Um, the other aberration is when the pastor is doing everything. Um, so there's something in the middle there, you know, biblically and, and confessionally, what that would be for Luther if we need to chat about. Pastor Ganning will probably take us for a week or two, and he's also going to do that with the governing board, um, uh, I think, at the January meeting. There's a request for it last time around as we think about our Constitution and how things fit together. But it'll be a little broader discussion maybe here, so that'll be a good thing to talk about. So anyway, tuck this away. Think about the church. Where do you fit? Where's your spot? And when you hear, and, and we need to be better on the ask, too. You know, there's, what we found is a face-to-face specific ask is the best thing. That's something we need to learn, too. But that also means if you're a leader for something and you say, I need people, um, you know, a thing like a bulletin board is very good. I need this and I need it by this date. Boom, that's what you need. Or Carol, uh, given these very clear directions, I need this on this day and on Wednesday I need this and on Thursday I need this and on Friday I need this. That gives you the chance to find your spot. So if you're leading something, I'm going to encourage you to be very clear and specific. And if you're looking for a place, I want to encourage you to hit those specific things. Um, and then we want to get better at that as we go. So just think that through, but always in terms of community or in terms of a body, okay? All right, let's pray and uh, go to the Eucharist. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. See you soon.